Guys, I miss you guys so much. I miss you guys a lot. I, like Siler said, I used to be the SHIG intern. Um, so I was up here. I, I, I got to teach with you guys a few times during the school year and then a lot more in the summertime and went to the DR and I loved SHIG. SHIG will always have a very, like it'll always, it will be a very special, there's always, a, there's a very special place in my heart where SHIG lies, okay? And along with SHIG, a lot of you guys will always lie in that, that part of my heart, like Siler and some of the leaders here, but especially my freshman boys, all right? My freshman boys, who are now sophomores. So just, just to avoid confusion, they are now sophomores, but they will always be my freshman boys, okay? But I, yeah, like I said, I am the middle school director now, and man, middle schoolers, man, they could really, who, who's got siblings in middle school? Yeah, ooh, ooh, you know, like... Like, don't, don't get me wrong, I love them. I love them. But like, this is just a perfect story to explain just a job at Cove. I, there's a ping pong table there, okay? For those of you who've been in the Cove room, right? And yeah, sit, sit, Mary's laughing because she's a Cove leader. So I, the, the ping pong, the kids are crazy with the ping pong table. And um, they break paddles like every week. They break ping pong paddles like we just, our ping pong balls. We go through stuff like, like it's nothing. We finally needed to get a new net, and I went everywhere. I, I, no, I didn't go everywhere. I went to Dick's, got the net, brought it back, and I set it up. It takes me a while. I'm not a handy guy. It took me a while to set it up. I set it up, and within like 20 minutes, 20 minutes, one of the kids broke it. I don't know how, but, but one of the nets, the, the net broke. So I was, and like when it happened, I was like infuriated. Like, I, I, like it like reminded me of like when, when I used to break things at my house when I was a kid, and my parents would like get red and like get mad at me. That's exactly what I did. And I'm like, I'm my dad. Oh my God. And like, I had to like step out of the room. But I, that being aside, joking aside, I love my, my Cove middle schoolers. They are great. But I miss you guys. I miss you guys a lot. And so when I heard that we were talking about scripture passages that changed our lives, I got super excited. And then Siler asked me if I could teach. And I jumped right on that because, you know what, guys? Scripture does change life. This I, I was supposed to have a Bible. I was supposed to kind of hold it up as a prop. I don't have it. But scripture right here, it does change your life. And the reason why we have this series is for two reasons, right? First, we want people like our shig leaders, like guys like Siler and um, whoever else came up here and spoke, uh, Eric spoke. We, we have amazing shig leaders that, that have been touched by God and have learned a lot from scripture, have been transformed by the Bible. Okay, so, so it gives them an opportunity to share that. Then along with that too, scripture is real. Scripture is alive. It's, alive. it's not just a book. It's, it's very powerful. And, and the chances are, Shig leaders who haven't had an opportunity to share here at Shig, they probably have passages that have changed their lives, that have transformed them and, and have made them more godly people because of it. And that's all, be, that's all the credit goes to scripture. And, and, and scripture is God-breathed, like Siler just said. Everything that is in the Bible was designed to be in the Bible by God. And that's one thing that we ought to know whenever we open it. We ought to know whenever we come to church, whenever we come to Shig and we hear verses from it, that this is, this is the word of the Lord, and we should take that seriously. And so I hopped on this opportunity to, to share a passage of scripture that changed my life. And so that's why, I, I, it took me a while, like I, I needed to pick a verse and pick some passages. I decided to, to go with Galatians for a few reasons. One of the reasons is because Galatians, who was in the Shig Bible study this past summer? Yeah, there's a few of us, right? We went over the entire book of Galatians. So shameless plug right now. In the summertime, we go over a book of the Bible or we do a Bible study that meets weekly in the summertime. And it's, it's really cool. And we have this opportunity by different, led by different shig leaders to just share a, 
something from the Bible, and we study it, and you guys have the opportunity to read it. We value the word of God very much so here at Shake. And then along with that too, Galatians 5 is a very powerful passage. Um, I go to seminary, so that means I learn about the Bible like daily. I, I'm in grad school, constantly learning about scripture. And Galatians 5 is one of those chapters that people always kind of bring up for a lot of reasons, and we'll kind of discover why today. But there's a lot of other passages that, that are really like, kind of like you say the chapter at, at seminary, and they instantly know. Like I, I, one of the shig leaders who also is in seminary right now, I told him I'm speaking on Galatians 5, and he's like, oh, you're doing the fruits of the Spirit, aren't you? Because he knows. He knows exactly what's in this passage because it's very powerful. So I was excited. And along with that too, Galatians 5 had a very powerful transformation in my life when I was in high school. You see, when I was in high school, I was a Christian. I was a believer. I, I, I believed that I was a God-fearing person and I wanted to live that out, but it wasn't always easy. In high school, I didn't always have the easiest time living out my faith and looking like a Christian. As a matter of fact, I was tempted a lot in high school. I, I had a lot of temptations and I found it very hard to, to not sin a lot of the times. And I would get discouraged by that. I would ask myself, why, why am I sinning? I'm a Christian. Why is this happening? So for all those reasons, Galatians 5 is a very powerful passage for me. But, but we're going we're gonna to talk about just very specifically 13 through 24 tonight. So just, just a few verses. And um, it, I'll get to talk to you guys about why I was, I was discouraged and, and why this encouraged me. But before we get into that, or actually, no, we're going to get into it right now. Uh, Galatians 5.13, okay? So the first verse, it says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but, but through love serve one another. So before I kind of jump in to explain this verse, I need to very quickly, very briefly explain Galatians, okay? So Galatians was written to a region of people, a region of churches in Galatia. And Paul traveled there at one point during his ministry and, and he saw them get, like, get like, transformed by the gospel. He saw them live godly lives and they, he saw what the gospel did in their lives. And he would hear from them. And people told him that others, people called Judaizers, were preaching a different gospel. These Judaizers were claiming that there's more things that we have to do in order to be saved, in order to um, be a Christian, in order to follow Christ, other than just simply believe in Christ. They, they claim that there's Jewish traditions called circumcision and other things too that, that everybody had to uphold. And Paul, very, like, to very briefly say the purpose for why Paul wrote this letter, it was to combat that and just to say, that's not true. The reason that all you need to do to be a Christian, all you need to do to say you have faith in God is simply believe that Jesus is Lord. There is nothing else you have to do. There's no customs that you have to acquire to. You don't need to focus on works at all. You just need to believe in Jesus. Okay, so that is the, the purpose of Galatians. And Galatians 5.13, he kind of reminds them that, that, remember, you guys are free. Okay, you were called to freedom. The past, the past couple verses, the past couple chapters, he's reminding them that, that they're no longer enslaving themselves to works. And he's saying that if you live a life where you think that you have to work and earn your salvation, you're enslaved to that. And he's reminding them here, no, you are free. You are free because of Christ. If you believe in only Christ, you are free. Okay? And then after that, he he goes on to say this. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So right away, he's kind of setting up this this spectrum of two different ways to live life. There's a a way to live life where it's full of love and you're serving one another, so a selfless way, and then there's an opportunity for the flesh, 
okay? Fleshly living and then a, a way of love, okay? And that kind of sets up the rest of this chapter. And so it moves on to, to verses 16 through 18, and it says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So this passage, again, is saying there are two different ways to live your life if you claim to be a Christian. One in the Spirit, and then one in the flesh. Okay? And if you are living in the Spirit, you are, it's, it's harder to, to gratify the desires of the flesh. And if you are living in the flesh, it's harder to gratify the desires of the Spirit. They are at war with each other. They are combating with each other. There's no room for these two in your life. Okay? Jesus said something very similar to this. Paul wrote this. He's a follower of Jesus. Jesus, while he was teaching, he said something like this. He said, you cannot serve two masters. And what he meant by that was you're either following me as your master or you're following the world and your fleshly desires. So there's two different ways to live life. Paul, Jesus said it first, and then Paul's confirming it by writing this passage. Okay? And now this passage is telling us that it's easier to live the spiritual life if we continue to walk with the Spirit. So it's a, it's a daily struggle. Okay? So this, this passage, it was very important to me because when I read it for the, like, I probably read it before, but when I like really kind of read it for the first time by myself, I realized that if I want to not gratify the desires of the flesh, these temptations that I'm having, I need to be in step with the Spirit. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. See, it, he makes it actually pretty simple. He makes the Christian life simple. If you want to do good, stay in step with the Spirit. Know who God is. If you, want, if you want to not do good and do bad, keep on gratifying the desires of the flesh and it'll continue to get harder. These two things are at war with each other. So it's kind of a simple concept. But even though it's simple, it doesn't make it easy. And just, just look at Jesus' life, for example. He lived, I mean, right before he started his ministry, right, he goes out into the wilderness. And he, and he goes 40 days and 40 nights without eating. He fasts. And then all of a sudden he gets met by the adversary, Satan, the devil, and he tempts him. And one of the first things he tempts him with is, hey, see that bread turned into, tur or see, see that stone turned into bread because you're really hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days. Do you think that, and Jesus denied him. Do you think that was easy for Jesus to do? do you, he was a man. He, he was hungry. And he said, no, I'm not going to eat after not eating for 40 days in the desert. Okay, the, these, Jesus lived a perfect life. When, when we look at this, the beginning of verse 15, it says, walk in the spirit. Jesus was the perfect embodiment of what walking in the spirit looked like because he was fully man. He was always doing that. But it wasn't easy for him. Another passage later on in his ministry, right before he gets crucified, right? He's in the, he's in the garden of Gethsemane praying. And in some passages, it says that like he's so stressed out about what's about to happen because he's about to get crucified. He's so stressed out about this, he's sweating drops of blood and he's praying to God, like, is there any other way like, is there any other way we can do, we can save these people? Is there, any other, is there anything else I can do other than get crucified? Now, do you think that this was, that, that him walking to, to Jerusalem and knowing he was going to get crucified, do you think that was something that was easy for him to do? No, it wasn't. So living the Christian life is not necessarily easy, but Paul makes it clear here that it's simple, okay? There's two different lives. There's two different, there's two different uh, spirit, it's, there's, there's a lot, there's warfare going on. There's a spiritual warfare. Life in the spirit and then life in the flesh. If you live with the flesh, you will gratify the flesh. And if you live with the spirit, you will gratify the spirit. It's kind of like a formula, this passage, right? Now, <laughs> there's a reason I'm in seminary. And one of those reasons is because I'm terrible at math. I am 
horrible at math. That's just the worst. I actually, I wanted to like, like wow you guys with like all the formulas I remember from high school, but then I talked to some of my co-volunteers who were also shake kids, and I had a hard time remembering what a what an integer was, or an, yeah, an, an integer. That, that's a math term, right? I had a hard time remembering what that was, okay? And I haven't been out of high school for that long. Like, okay, okay, you guys don't know it either. Okay, I'm, I'm, okay, maybe you guys aren't good at math either. That's fine, that's okay, okay? <laughs> I, anyways, bad at math, I'm terrible at it. But one thing that always kind of helped me with math, particularly in geography, I mean geometry, <laughs> particularly in geometry, one thing that always kind of helped me out was formulas, right? Like if you wanted to find uh, like the, the circumference or the radius, you had a formula. And like if you had the variables, you had that. There you go, right? There are some formulas. It made life easier in math class, these formulas. If you remembered them, it made it easier, okay? I consider Galatians 5:16, walk in the spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Like, that's like a formula in your life. If you're having a hard time and, like, you know that, like, you want to do something, but it's sinful, right? This, this passage is saying walk in step with the Spirit and you won't, you won't gratify those desires. If you're, if you're struggling with wanting to go to a party or, or partying or, 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 you know, just taking that next step with your, with your boyfriend or girlfriend or doing anything like that, this passage is telling you if you are in step with the Spirit, it'll be harder to gratify those desires. And so... Okay, what are the fleshly desires, right? This is what makes this passage so awesome because it, it supplies us with this formula, but then it goes on to explain like what these variables are. Like what, what is fleshly living? What does that look like? And so the next few verses, he goes on to say this. Now the work of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So not only does he list off just like just a mouthful of, of a list of things that are fleshly living, but then he, he caps it off with things like these. So there are, there are many more that go along with this list of fleshly living, okay? Now, a lot of these things offer like instant gratification, okay? And God is telling us that we shouldn't be involved, we shouldn't be involved with this type of activity. It, it finishes... Verse 21 finishes by saying this, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And what Paul's saying here is that these activities have no place in the kingdom of God at all, whatsoever. Jesus came and he preached this new kingdom that was coming. And with that came new ways of living. This list is not on that. So if you claim to be a Christian, these things should not be within us, okay? It's, so God isn't like, wanting us to not do these things because they seem like fun and like they, they're a good time. Like oh, you see your friends doing it and they say they have a good time. That's, that's not why he's telling us that, that these are things that we shouldn't be doing. It, he's actually seeing these things and he's seeing us do this. And it's kind of like a parent to his son. He's like seeing his, his kid stick his finger in an electrical wire. Like, and he doesn't want him to do that. Like when I was a kid, when I was a toddler, I specifically remember like I always wanted to put my finger in an electrical wire. Like I said before, I was not a smart kid, okay? And <laughs> That proves it. Like when I was a kid, like I would be sitting by a wall. I, didn't, I had a million of toys, but uh, for some reason I wanted to stick my finger in an electrical wire. We all know what happens if you stick your finger in an electrical wire, right? Even though my toddler self, that would give me some sort of gratification doing that, it would shock me. And I probably would die because I was a little kid. 
Same thing with sin. Same thing with this list. Even though they offer quick gratification or, or they gratify some desire that you may have, they lead to death. Okay, so God isn't just this man up in the sky telling you not to do things because they seem fun, but he's God and you're not and you have to listen to him. That's not what's going on here. What's going on here is God sees the best life for you guys, the best way you guys can possibly live, and he's telling you how not to live it. Like, that's, that's what you should not be doing. But I've kind of talked about spirit, spirit living, stay in step with the spirit, right? And this passage, like I said before, it's a pretty good one. It goes on, it continues. And Paul, kind of, Paul brings up what, this, what the fruits of the spirit are. How many of you guys have heard that term before, fruits of the spirit? Right? Like that's a pretty popular, this is a pretty popular passage. One of the reasons why this chapter is so popular is because of this list right here. And he says this in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Christ have crucified its flesh with its passions and desires. So if you belong to Christ, you are, you are beginning to say no to that other list. You are beginning to say no to, to all those, to jealousy and idolatry and sorcery. <laughs> sorcery. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that was more of a context of the time. Hopefully you guys aren't into sorcery. But <laughs> hopefully, if you are, say no to it because it's, it's against spiritual living. <laughs> so one thing I want us to do tonight Maybe, maybe afterwards, is look at this list, right? Look at spiritual living and look at living in the flesh. You guys, hopefully you guys identify with both lists, right? Like looking at the, the flesh list, I definitely identify with a lot of the things going on in the flesh. Like I, I, this this past week, I was jealous. I was jealous of a nice ping pong table that I didn't get to have for my coke <laughs> table. Like I, I was jealous about a lot of things. Like <laughs> I, I, it happens, but also along with that, I also practiced patience this week because, you know, kids broke my ping pong table and I didn't freak out. Like, I was angry, but I showed patience. So it, if you guys want to, to continue staying in step with the Spirit, you guys will start, like, emitting these fruits, okay? You, you'll, you'll start having these values. Maybe not necessarily all of them, or maybe you'll have, like, specific, like, a concentrated amount of patience or something like that. It, that's what makes the church really beautiful. But... If you guys want to, if you stay in step in the spirit, you guys will bear these virtues. You will have these in your life. So hopefully, if you guys claim to be Christians, you guys can see this list and be like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I have that in, in me. I have this in me. And that, that's what makes this passage so cool. If, and if we stay in step, we will continue to have that. And the cool thing with fruit is that it continues to grow, right? If, if, if a tree is bearing fruit, it continues to do that. But along with that too, conditions and, and weather, like it needs to continue to have good conditions in order to bear fruit and to grow, right? And that's the same thing with our spiritual life. It, it doesn't just end. Like you don't just accept Jesus and, and claim to, him to be your Lord and Savior, and then all of a sudden like you have all these spirits or all these fruits of the Spirit. That's not how it works. Instead, it's like a daily process. So if you find yourself in a, in a period of your life where like this, this fleshly living, like you, you find yourself always kind of submitting to your desire, your fleshly desires. It's probably because you've been distant from the Lord. It's probably because you haven't been com communing with him. Now, what do I mean by that? What, what does it mean to, to walk in step with the spirit, right? For starters, being familiar with the word. So when, when people come up here at Chig or, or at church or if you go to a different group and, and you hear the word being taught, listen to it. 
Apply it to your life. Be familiar with the word. Along with that too, be a part of other believers. Like be, have fellowship with a church, with a community. Church means just groups of people who believe in God and being together. That's what church is. And that's, that's one way we can stay in step with the spirit because that, that's what we're called to do is it's come together as believers. Along with that too, worship the Lord, be familiar, like humble yourself before God, like with these songs or, or however else you may do it, recognize who the Lord is and who you are and just how amazing he is and for what he did for you. Realize that, that you were lost, right? You, you, were, you were doomed. You needed a savior to save you. This is what Galatians is talking about. Like there was nothing we could do. There was no works that we had that, that we could do to, to find salvation, to live abundant life, to go to heaven. But if it wasn't, it, but Jesus came along. And so when we recognize that, and we, and we, and we like, maybe when we wake up in the morning and, and, and we, we realize all these things that are happening, to, like the, that the Lord did for us, we begin to start walking in step with the Spirit. And as you see yourself doing that, it's, it's hard. Like the, these desires that the flesh offer, they, they become less and less attractive. But we have to know, though, that, that we can't serve two masters. And this is something that, that, are com- that, that combat with each other. So another thing, too, is if, if, if you want to be like a, someone who walks in step with the Spirit, like this passage is talking about, you need to stay away from these from these fleshly desires, from, from these fleshly, this fleshly list. So this passage kind of ends with this. Galatians 5.25, it says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step, step with the Spirit. So if we claim to believe that we have the Spirit, now how we get the Spirit is this, right? We believe who Christ is and what he did for us. We believe that we needed a Savior because of the sin in our lives. We believe that he came down to earth and died for us so that we could so that we can have community with him again, so that we can live abundantly and go to heaven. That's, that's what it means to, to have the spirit. When, when I say that, once that happens, you, have, you receive the spirit. But Paul goes on to say that that process isn't over once you receive the spirit. Now you need to keep on walking with it. And that's what he urges, that's how he ends this passage, by urging them, stay in step with the spirit. Keep on walking with him. Because as you walk with him, you'll continue to live a godly life. And you won't, the more, and I can attest to this, the more and more you walk in step with the Spirit, the less attractive fleshly desires become. So let me ask you this before we, before we close. Can you guys identify with the fruits of the Spirit? Are, are you guys bearing these fruits? Do you have joy and love and peace and patience and kindness? These are all virtues that we, sh- we should all strive for and want. But along with that too, do you guys identify with the list of the flesh? Do you guys give in to sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, jealousy, fits of anger? Do you, are, are you guys, do you guys have a lot of rivals and dissensions and divisions? Because that, that's what Paul is urging us to go against. And I promise you, the more we stay in step with the Spirit, the harder those things will become. So before we go into small groups, I want you guys to think about this. Maybe look over this list and, and ask yourself, am I, am I, like, what do I have? Or what are the fruits that I, that I have? And what are, what are these fleshly desires that I give into? And I pray that we can realize that, that we have a strength and a power and a formula to really combat this and to live a more godly life. So I'm gonna close this in prayer.